Hi guys, on today's pod I talked with Matthew Stocko. We discussed the Raptors' first six games and they are 6-0, which is obviously a great thing here in Toronto. The Raptors have had an interesting start to the season. They've had a just wonderful starting unit that has really dominated teams and they've had a bench that struggled. And really, after seeing the bench dominate through so much of the season last year, that's something that we need to get used to. Me and Matt touch on that. We talk about the first six games of the season, what we've liked so far this season, including a renewed Serge Ibaka, and, you know, just general takeaways in, about the season so far. McGrady will make the pass. McGrady looking, looking, looking. Loops it in. Carter's going to get a shot off. He does. Got it! Ross and Amir. Here's Jose, three seconds, gets it to DeRozan, DeRozan's fading, what a tough shot, and it goes! DeRozan with plenty of time, it's five seconds, DeRozan on the drive, a kick from the corner, Van Vliet, Van Good, a two, the Raptors lead with 1.1 to play. So Matt, how are you doing? Mike, yeah, you know, thinking about it just before we jumped on here too it's it's an interesting situation the Raptors find themselves in because it's the last two undefeated teams in the league and 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 it's really tough for the Raptors you know the schedule makers against against the Raptors as always as as the Raptor fans like to say (laughs) because because if they lose to Milwaukee the conversation will be well maybe the Raptors aren't the best uh team in the NBA if they and if they win against Milwaukee and lose against Philadelphia it's like well, see, they're just they're they're just on a hot streak, and and Philadelphia is really really the third best team in the NBA, and it just shows that the Boston Celtics are the second. So, uh, it's it's an interesting beginning of the week for 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 the Raptors. Right, I guess let's kind of just go into what the Raptors have done so far this season. If I said to you, Matt, what's the biggest surprise to you so far this season? What would you say? I would say the biggest surprise, to be honest, has been the the chemistry for the because for the most part it's actually been really good. Of course, there's still a lot of isolation plays, and I think that is more so coming from a place of the Raptors kept the playbook simple to help co- uh, integrate Kawhi and Danny Green and and some of the other newer pieces in, onto the team, but the the chemistry, especially on the defensive end, has been really great for me, and I think, and I think that's where Nick Nurse is really excelling as well. Um, you know, we every uh, watching every pregame show and listening to all of his interviews and stuff, he 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 really does seem like he has that group mentality, and and seems like a guy who can really help get a team to gel and just seems like that a a coach that values that a lot and i think that that's really helping this team find it find its rhythm and it's uh it's a really interesting process to see it come together so quickly because out of all the other elite teams in the league i don't think any of them had this uh, you know a bigger hurdle to get over from a chemistry perspective in terms of integrating a new top guy a new starter and a new coach as well right um and I just I, I love seeing that because the talent has always been there, right? And we knew the talent was there, but it was a big, huge chemistry question. I'm not even really referring to Kawhi. I think I think even if you know you didn't have somebody who was not not necessarily wanting to be there, or we, we don't really know Kawhi's mindset, but 
it was Toronto obviously wasn't his top destination. Even if you were integrating a new top guy, like that's still in a new coach. It still takes time. It, it, regardless of everybody wants to be there is on the same page. So to see it coming together, I think has been the biggest surprise for me so far. That's a good point. Uh, as far as the isolations are concerned, Kawhi Leonard is kind of an isolation player. That's his skill set. He's very yeah. skilled at running isolations at some level. The Raptors are going to integrate that into their offense. He's not a huge pick-and-roll guy, so you fans might be upset that, oh, this is a return to the old style. In a way, it kind of is because I do think Toronto will run more isolations this season. But at the same time, it's different when you're running it with Kawhi Leonard as opposed to DeMar DeRozan. In my yeah. mind, go ahead. Sorry. No, I no, and I was just gonna say, and, and that's not saying that I don't value that because you know they're and we've seen it so far in a few games in, in that Dallas game, uh, especially where we needed, we just needed a basket, right? We just needed to to somebody to score, and you're gonna put it in Kawhi's hands and give him the best possible spot around the elbow there for him to to to, to work and get it done. And I think, and I think you 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 need to value that as well for sure, and it needs to be in there. Sure, it's. It's like having a motion offense when you have LeBron James at some level. It's just not going to happen because it shouldn't happen. LeBron's really skilled at getting the ball and dissecting the defense, so you're not going to run this big motion around him. In that same respect, Nick Nurse has to coach to the skill sets of the players on his team, and Kawhi's not – he doesn't have the tightest handle. He's not the smoothest operator out of the pick and roll. His best skill set is kind of – grabbing the guy, isolate him on the side, either doing a little post-up as we've seen throughout the season, or just taking a guy one-on-one and operating to his advantage. He works better with more space and a more isolated system, so that's why you've seen Nurse run that so far. Yeah, totally, and and it, it, it's working. I mean, the the ease of shots that, especially from, from, from three, is really is really nice, too. And, I mean, I think another we were to talk about other great surprises is that, you know, the addition of someone like Danny Green is really just opening up the floor and allowing um, shooters to get open threes. Of course, there's always some concerns about, uh, uh, you know, Siakam being in that starting role and hitting and, you know, being for, he's going to be forced to shoot that three because he's going to be left wide open. And then CJ miles struggles shooting the three, uh, especially when he is open uh, as well. I think are two are, are two, concerns from from the, that come out of that motion offense but uh siakam's hit a few and uh and that's good and jv's been dared and uh and finally was is starting to find that as well so uh i mean i mean i mean all around i think it's really good on the offensive end and it's fantastic on the defensive end right as far as siakam shooting the three i'm less concerned now as far as his shooting ability and this ability to stretch the floor, because he's spending so much time with the Baca, to mm-hmm. me, you can you can always have one guy who can shoot the three on the floor. The problem is when you start to compound that with two or three guys who can't shoot. And as long as he's with the Baca, who, who launches a heavy amount of three-pointers a game, it's not as big of a concern to me that he can't shoot, or at least, you know, he only shoots when really dared. Do you think do you think that's part of the reason why Nurse is not playing Siakam and JV as much together is partially to help continue to spread the floor out that way? 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. a big part of it, at least. I think when you put Siakam and Ibaka together, one, it creates a lineup that is kind of switch-happy and that you can switch a lot of things. I Also, when you put Siakam with... When you put Siakam with... Uh, Ibaka, sorry about that. When you put Siakam with Ibaka, it, like I said, it it's only one minus shooter on the court, and I... That's why, to me, Siakam has been starting in all these games. It's because you pair him with Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Kyle Lowry. That's three elite shooters. So I would rather pair him with three elite shooters rather than put him in the bench unit where you have DeLon Wright, who's an okay shooter, and things like that. I would rather pair him with more shooting on the court, so that means that he's always going to be in the starting lineup from now on, I believe. Yeah, I think so, too. I think at this point... The 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 starting lineup is pretty much set, um, except for situations maybe perhaps when you have a gigantic uh, a big man on a team. And I'm I'm trying to think if there are any situations that were a starting lineup where that could happen where you start JV. But I think that this starting unit that they have is is a very elite defensive group. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of defensive potential amongst all the positions. Right, well, I think JV has started in three of the six games. I'll double-check right now. But I thought it was two. I think it, yeah, it might have been two. Either. I'll look it up right now. But for the most part, I see Ibaka's at least the closing power forward. So, yeah, so Ibaka started three. Uh, JV has started the other three. Oh, okay. I, I believe as we move towards a season a little bit more, it will start to be Ibaka will start to be the nightly starter. I could be wrong on that. I have no inside information or anything. Just going off a of gut feel. He's certainly going to be the guy that I end the season with. That will or end the games with, in my opinion. He just he provides more defensive versatility. Another interesting thing, at least something that threw me off guard is totally scrapping the Abaka J V lineup. So that was something that we saw in the preseason, and I figured we would see a lot less of it. But not to not see JV and Ibaka at all really shocks me. Uh, I mean, it, it does shock me as well because we, you know, we've talked about this in the past that JV could be the third best player on this team. However, I mean, you could also make an argument right now that Ibaka's having the third biggest impact on the team. Um, I think. Uh, I think. Ibaka playing that center position has really just allowed him to to really flourish again, and he looks he looks a lot younger. He suddenly doesn't look as old. His knees are looking better. Like it's just it's all around it's all around really good for Ibaka. I think he's you know his his ability to rebound has always been there, and and in the last few years he's been taken away from the hoop so much that. Uh, you know, he get caught reaching over reaching over defenders or reaching over the opponents, and I'm really enjoying watching him play because he's also uh, uh, being allowed to rim to protect the rim again. And we've seen his block. We, we've seen him block more. We've seen him just be more active as a whole. And I think that I also feel like he might be a little bit happier in his role as well because there's certainly a lot more spring in his step. Again, still a small sample size, and it'll be interesting to see how he's performing come February. But right now, I feel that he's actually doing a really good job, and I think that if there's anything that's come out of this no-JV, no-Ibaka together, is that Ibaka just seems like he's found a little bit, uh, like he's gone back in a time machine and is a few years younger than he was before. Right. 
in my opinion, Abaka right now is the best center on the team. He's playing mm-hmm. out of this world. I am not to toot my own piece, but I am coming up with a piece that we release, release probably either Tuesday or more likely Wednesday that just talks about the impact he's had and how really it's been the change to center that's made Abaka into this new player. It's not anything that Abaka has evolved as a player. He's not shown the ability to post up guys now. He still doesn't make great decisions. But instead, he's simply being put in a position where he can, can succeed. And it makes sense. He came into the league when he was a traditional power forward. He had to guard a lot of guys down in the post. He was used to hanging around the rim. As the power forwards have gravitated towards a three-point line, he's gotten only slower and older. So I'm not sure why he should have he shouldn't have been playing power forward perhaps the past two years. As everybody's gravitated towards a three-point line, it only made sense that he would continue to stay around the hoop. So him playing at the center position, it shouldn't be surprising that he's playing this well, but to me it is. I guess I didn't realize it would have this big of an impact. Yeah, yeah, I think it's been surprising. Although I did have to laugh at a tweet that you sent out earlier today where Ibaka was... Uh, posting up somebody smaller, and I'm not sure who it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he wasn't very, he wasn't very successful. <laughs> well, yeah, it was Dorian Finney-Smith, who's oh, the shooting yeah. guard for the Mavs. He still can't post up him, and he also had a turnover when posting up JJ Barea, who yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, he doesn't have that skill set, and that's okay. When you put him at center, it allows this ability. Where playing small at power forward is one thing, and you can try to get away with it. But if you don't put a traditional center, at least some kind of a rim protector on the court, when playing a Baca at center, then it just opens up the court for everybody. Playing small at power forward is one thing. Playing small at center is a completely different beast. Yeah, 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 for sure. And and uh, Ibaka, I mean, but also credit to Ibaka on the defensive end because he's been holding his own against these elite centers and um, and in some cases even neutralizing them a little bit. I know I know Carl Anthony Towns has some things going on. Uh, with him, but the 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 fact that he was given pretty much completely neutralized in that Timberwolves game as well was uh, was you know some I think some credit has to go to Ibaka for sure. Yeah, definitely, and he outplayed Al Horford in mm-hmm. this game against the Boston Celtics, which was huge for them as well. So, you know, he's yeah. been he's been a pleasant surprise of the season. I think another pleasant surprise has been Danny Green, as you talked about him. I I didn't realize or perhaps he wasn't this elite of a shooter in San Antonio, but he's letting it fly from everywhere, and he's been extremely effective shooting in the first couple of games so far. Yeah, Danny Green's value, in, and again, you know, it's all, it's, it's all the talk here in Toronto around Danny Green is the best throw-in player in trade ever, right? Where, you know, we, we're, we're, we're getting this. I, I know, it's it's Toronto, but it happens. But um, the... Uh, the fact that you know this guy is in a this guy is just shooting like lights out right now, right? From ev- like you said, from everywhere, um, he's really spreading the floor and, and making teams have to play him uh, uh, honestly. And then on the other end, he is holding his own on defense and really proving that you know he is still a three and D guy and that he has a lot of value in that he's a fantastic, maybe not fantastic defender, but definitely above average defender and playing really well. And just, just his ability, just especially Kawhi's ability to find him is really great. And you can tell that there's a lot of chemistry there between those two. And it's really helping on both ends of the floor. So I looked up today, I was curious on how many, 
what percent of Danny Green's minutes have come with Kawhi Leonard on the floor. And obviously, Kawhi Leonard has a smaller percentage due to the fact that he plays just a lot more minutes than Danny Green. And Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green have shared the floor for 173 minutes, and Danny mm-hmm. Green's played for about 182. So it's been a pretty clear, concerted effort by Nick Nurse to try to keep those guys comfortable by pairing them together as much as possible. What are what are your feelings on Nick Nurse so far? I mean, 6-0 and is fantastic, but what do you think of the rotations and the, and the changes that he's making so far? So I've been impressed with Nurse. I He hasn't done anything, I think, super groundbreaking. It's not like the offense looks totally reimagined. The defense, to me, looks a little bit more flexible and more active on that end. I think part of that is due to Nick Nurse. I think a large portion of that is also due to an improved personnel change. Mostly, the biggest impact he's had on this team is, again, moving Serge Ibaka to a full-time center, which, in my mind, has really opened up the offense. And it's opened up both the offense and made the defense more versatile in that fact. So making that major change not going with the bench mob unit as we talked about so many times and moving to a more traditional substitution pattern has been a big impact on the Raptors so far this season. I, yeah, It's not oh. that he's been – I I wouldn't put him into the coach of the year uh, category yet or that he's done anything groundbreaking, but it's been a solid, I would say, B to B-plus performance for me so far. Yeah, I I would tend to agree as well. I, you know, it's funny. I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, is it, is it, does it feel more groundbreaking than it is? Just because, you right, know, right. coming from coming from Dwayne Casey, very stuck in his ways, very traditional. And I mean, even if you do watch the Pistons games, right? It's they they rotate and move a lot like the Raptors do, right? And and it, 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 you know, right now it's kind of working for them, especially with Blake Griffin playing so playing so well, and uh, and Andre Drummond at least you know going for twenty and twenty like like it's like it's nothing. He, but still, right? Like, is it, it like is it as groundbreaking as it is, or is it just traditional decisions that are uh, that are being made that you know are just more modern, right? Or sorry, not traditional decisions, but more modern decisions being made that we're seeing around the league and. Nurse is just kind of following suit, right? So we're playing at the 23rd fastest pace, which yeah. is, you know, obviously that's that's pretty similar to what we played at last year. We weren't an extremely fast or slow team. The whole league is playing faster. So at that point, some of that will slow down as we kind of advance into the season. We're attempting less threes than we did last season or at least are ranked far lower in three-point attempts. We finished third last year in three-point attempts. We are 16th currently this season. So it's not even that we're playing a more modern style. If you looked at it objectively in many ways, we statistically seem like a less modern team. In my mind, it's just the little things like moving Ibaka to center and doing things like that that have given Nurse a... You know, he's done a better job. And to be frank, I I don't think that Casey was some terrible coach. It's not like you got rid of Randy Whitman and got Nick Nurse. You had a solid coach. You hope that the change to Nurse is an upgrade. But you weren't moving from this total dumpster fire disaster situation. 
Yeah, it's not like it's not like if I mean, and this isn't even a knock against Tom Thibodeau, but I mean, there's just a dumpster fire going on there right now, right? And it's okay. You can so. you can knock Tom Thibodeau at this point. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. fair. Right. Yeah. To me, Casey was uh, a six to a seven as a coach. If he moved to Nurse, who's an eight, it's not a huge improvement, but it's still an improvement nonetheless. So, to me, it doesn't have to be a gigantic improvement to still be worth the move. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, also a little bit of credit to Nurse as well with managing the rotations through some injuries as well, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, I believe we actually haven't had our full roster yet for a game, right? Because DeLon Wright was out at the beginning, and now Van Vliet's out, and it looks like for tomorrow's game it's going to be uh, uh, Van Vliet's out, but uh, an Anobi and DeLon Wright, are, they're going to try DeLon Wright again. Well, the Raptors were extremely healthy last season. It was kind of an underrated aspect of the year that no one seemed to mention. The fact that we talked about C.J. Miles' injury somewhat on the pod, and, you know, when you're losing guys like C.J. Miles, that's just par for the course in the NBA. You lose guys like that all the time. To have Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan really healthy all season, it that's less likely than you would think to have your two-star players completely healthy for the entire season. So it will be interesting to see this year if Toronto has – you know, if they have durable players or if it was just, obviously I think a part of that was just kind of lucky last season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I still, I still really feel that they have a, a really above average, uh, uh, health, health, uh, you know, medical staff staff. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Training staff, medical staff. Thanks. I was trying to find (laughs) training slash medical in my vocabulary. And, uh, and yeah, but I mean, so all good so far. I think that, I think you know, like I said off the top, this this back to back and how they how they manage that from a coaching perspective, and how they and how they perform is going to be very interesting. What do you think, or what do you make so far of the bench's poor play to start this season? Obviously, that was one of the Raptors' biggest strengths last year, and so far this season they've been a negative and have been. You know, not only not a strength, but they've been demonstrably harmful to the team. You know, I think, I think it, I think it's due to several things. I mean, I mean, again, we they've had to go maybe a little bit deeper than they've wanted to. Um, I I'm also very interested that uh, you know in how much they've had to rely on Norman Powell in many cases. Uh, it also looks like. It also looks like they're trying again with this slower style or maybe a little bit more isolation style. They are running a little bit too much, I think, uh, of uh, y- y- you know more of a, a one-on-one isolation plays. We've seen a lot of Van Vliet isolation plays, and I think we talked about this last week too, where we can't have uh, uh, you know Van Vliet isolation all the time. We need more ball rotation and more ball movement. Um, I really. Uh, and I mean, on the defensive end as well, it really shouldn't be happening, right? Because the team should be set. The team is mostly set up to play the same sort of defensive style as the starters. And there's a there's a lot of at least good defenders on on that squad as well. I I I think it's I think this is a little bit of offensive woes coming over onto the defensive end a little bit, and and they really they really need to 
work on getting those ball rotations, getting some easier buckets because again, a lot of also a lot of buckets have also been coming late in shot clock either trying to make something happen one-on-one or, you know, rotation into a bad three. And it, it obviously can't keep happening, right? Like we can't, again, we're, we're, we're in a situation where last year with this bench bump that was, that was just on fire and such a positive for the team on a back-to-back like this, we're both, we're both games are very impactful and are going to be tough games to get you could rely on that bench mob and, and to play longer stretches. But right now I get a little bit more nervous when there are longer stretches without Lowry or Kawhi on there. And again, we always, we run into these concerns with both of those players and that Lowry's a little bit older and Kawhi is coming off of an injury. So we don't want to work them into the ground a la Tom Thibodeau style. We want to be able to uh, rely on that bench to, to, to be as impactful. So I think, I think the offensive rotations need to be a lot better. And then hopefully with uh, some offensive improvement, we're looking for easier buckets, getting more people involved. Um, I think OG needs to be a little bit uh, more, you know, involved. I think that he's been, he's been a little bit stagnant so far. And I don't know if that has something to do with the personal issues that he's facing with off the court, but uh, a little bit more aggression, I think as well as needed on the offensive end. When, Without Siakam on the floor and without DeLon Wright, that second unit to me lacks some kind of creation. In many ways, it's it's been, as you talk about the lack of ball rotation, I that's partially due to the lack of dribble creation on the team and Fred Van Vliet really being the only guy, to me, that I feel comfortable throwing into a pick and roll. Norman Powell is still someone who although he's playing better and he's gaining confidence each game. He's not someone that you really want to initiate your offense. He's more of a fifth option that you find on a backdoor cut. So with DeLon out, it's been interesting to see Nurse not counter by putting Pascal in that bench unit, and maybe he just wants Pascal to be used to being the starter and wants to set the message that, hey, you're a starter on this team from now on. And that might be the better play for the team long-term and to the short-term detriment of the team. Obviously, that's something that I don't know and I can't kind of predict at this time. So to me, it's been interesting watching this second unit. Or not interesting, it's been bad to watch the second unit struggle with shot creation and really heavily relying on Fred Van Vliet when as good a player as he is, he can't be the single driver of an offense. Yeah, yeah. The the team will not reach its championship aspirations with Fred VanVleet as its third main creator, playmaker, and scorer. Um, it, it it is a little too much for him to do, and he's doing a lot of that right now. So, I mean, I mean, again, right? It's gonna. I think this is really gonna prove Nurse's medal, right? That he has a really fantastic thing going with his starting unit, and I mean, it is great. I mean, from a just pure watching basketball perspective it is great to see the to see the starters be the clear uh positive over the over the bench because you know that's how it should should be and some there were some games last year where that just wasn't the case but you know delon for 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 people who are like oh maybe we'll throw delon right in with a trade for somebody at some point right like he's very vital to 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 this group and when healthy i think 
he he provides that defensive versatility that is really needed and uh, and is and you know is really great at getting into the key finding finding open players and uh, hitting some tough shots as well in in the paint but again more just more ball creation is definitely needed on that part and I, and, and then again as well you can also use those three those two point guard combinations with Lowry as well to mix up the rotations a little bit more too sure and it's it's been a little disappointing to me that Serge Ibaka, or I'm sorry, not Serge Ibaka, Jonas Valanciunas hasn't taken control of those bench units and really bullied people as a backup center. When you're the backup center on the team and you come in with a team that doesn't have DeLon right on the floor and it's going to be a little more relying on you offensively, I wish that he would be a little more aggressive in his scoring and kind of looking for his own shot to me. He's just been a little hesitant, and he's played like the normal JV that we see on the court, but when you're with the bench unit, you need to play more aggressive than you typically do when you're with Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry, and I hope as the season moves on and he gets more comfortable in this secondary role that he's more aggressive, kind of taking the ball into the basket and demanding the ball in the post more often. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the... That's something that I was trying to figure out how to personify, but you said you said perfectly is that I've been a little disappointed in JV's aggressiveness as well, and we definitely need to see that improve because again, you know, JV being in that seventeen to twenty point range is it, it would be just such, or I mean, and he's kind of been there, but even a little bit more, and especially on rebounds as well will really help this team. And there's no reason I don't think that JB shouldn't be getting 12 to 13 rebounds a game. Exactly. Uh, is there anything else that kind of worries you from this team at this point? No. Uh, worries? I don't... I, like, the bench The bench is by far the biggest worry. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I think as well as well you could be a little worried and hopefully, and hopefully as the season goes along this dissipates, but... Kawhi, uh, the reliance on Kawhi is, is 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 high. He's been playing a lot of minutes, and that's and I know it's been kind of back and forth, right? Where it's either been thirty minutes or like thirty eight minutes, mm-hmm. and that's what superstars do. But again, if we're thinking long term, right? And, and and Kawhi coming from that San Antonio system as well, where uh, what is it? He's never played more than thirty. He never averaged more than thirty three minutes a game, or the, 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 somewhere in that range, thirty five maybe. Um, that could also that that could also be impactful, and you could also say the same for Lowry. Lowry is on an absolute tear right now and is playing uh, maybe the best basketball of his entire career. And I want to see that continue. I want to see his impact be continued as well. And hopefully, with a full, fully healthy Delon Wright and Fred VanVleet as well, we can do that. But um, I think I think I think my worries about either Kawhi, Kawhi's involvement or Kawhi's desire, uh, the, uh, the offense and the defense, the, the offensive and defensive, uh, rotations and schemes. Um, those are slowly fading away as we, as we start to see larger sample sizes of this team. It's now, it's now about focusing on that bench and getting that bench, uh, really, really humming so that it can, it can be more impactful. And going back to your Kawhi point, tendinopathy is, and I'm no doctor, but from what I understand, it's the muscle version of tendinitis where it's a wear and tear issue. And when he was playing with San Antonio those nine games last season, the issue wasn't 
that he couldn't play in the games. The issue was the next day he couldn't really get up and move around. So that's definitely something that you have to keep an eye on as far as wear and tear, and that's why we saw him get the back off, the day off on that one back-to-back. I am guessing that he will play both games of these of this back-to-back, but I would hope at least that his minutes will be limited to somewhere in the low 30s. And right, yeah, you talked about you talked about the over reliance on Kawhi and Kyle Lowry, and that's a good point. So far, Kyle Lowry is playing out of his mind. I don't expect him to continue to shoot above fifty percent on threes the rest of the season. That seems yeah. like a, a pretty big ask, but a lot of it kind of all ties into the same thing where we talk about the benches struggle and the reliance on Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. Those are matching together problems where they need to rely on those guys because of the bench of struggle. So if you solve one of those, and hopefully the return of DeLon Wright will play a big factor in that, it will ultimately save you on the other end. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agreed. And, and I am really looking forward to seeing the evolution of, uh, of this team because really a team is built on – on its weaknesses and how you can improve those weaknesses, right? Absolutely. And when, if you had to predict a game, when do you think the win streak ends? Oh man, can I give a hopeful prediction and then and then a realistic prediction? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so I will give game my hope. No, 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 no. I won't do that. I will. I, I will predict a a a ten game ten game win streak that goes because they're at six right now, right? So the hopeful would be Bucks Sixers, and then they have the two days off. Suns should be an easier one, and then revenge on the Lakers, and then and then the next night lose to the Jazz because I think I've been very impressed with the Jazz. I think they have a really good team that 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 actually matches up really well with the Raptors as well, but. More realistic, I have a feeling. I have a feeling that that back to back with the 76ers, with 76ers with a lot of rest, that Ben Simmons could go off for a big game, and then that would be the difference maker. So seven, so seven, seven will be my prediction. Uh, I'm with you. I think that back to back with the 76ers is going to be tough. The 76ers are also on a back to back. I will note they play the Atlanta Hawks, so perhaps just equal to a rough practice before the Raptors, but it is in Toronto, so I don't think we need to write it off necessarily. If you're traveling from Atlanta to Toronto, I don't care how bad the Hawks are. That's still a travel day after a game. So in that respect, perhaps the Raptors get a win. I'm going to be the pessimist, and I'll I'll go with you. I think that Joel Embiid has a monster game, and they're able to squeak one out versus the Raptors by six. Yeah, yeah, like it, like it'll be close, and then, and then it'll be very interesting to see that next game against the 76ers where the Raptors would would, would want revenge. But if they, I mean, I mean, if they can somehow grab two wins there and, and push it to eight, then it will definitely go to nine. And uh, I would love to see a nine game win streak going into LeBron's Lakers just to just because obviously Kawhi and Danny Green have no history of that, but the rest of the players do, and it would be very interesting to see how that would go, and the uh, the hustle and heart that would go into that. And a, and a Lakers team that will be motivated to win, 
seeing as they're not exactly in the easiest conference and they've had a rough start here. So so they'd be motivated. And then if if they get a win at the Jazz, look out. It it really opens up. That will be that's a difficult ask back to back in at Utah, which everybody talks about Denver's elevation, but you uh, Utah is almost as high and you know, that's not a team that you want to play on the back of back. The Raptors and really any team in the NBA might put up an 80 spot in that kind of game. Yeah, and and if we've looked in the past as well, the Raptors have tr- have struggled in both Utah and uh, Denver in the past with the with the elevation. So it'll be interesting with the infusion of the Western Conference players who play there more to see if they're more used to that. But yeah, um, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a, I think it's an interesting stretch for the Raptors over the next little bit because of the the Western Conference road trip isn't that bad in terms of teams. Um, I mean, I mean, you definitely have you could argue three three of the three of the games you could you could get, and then there's and then there's that really and then the Knicks is the Knicks, but then there's that a game against Anthony Davis, and then of course uh, uh, two two big games on the 14th and the 16th against the Pistons for Dwayne Casey reasons and the Celtics for proving it, proving it just wasn't a one-time thing reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the one seed will still be up for grabs as we move on towards the season. So games versus Boston really count as double. If you think that they will be the main competitor for the number one overall seed. Anything in the NBA in general that kind of caught your eye so far? We're only seven games in, so you don't want to – six games in, I'm sorry. So you don't want to take, obviously, too many broad statements. But has anything kind of jumped off the page so far? Well, I mean, obviously today the, the breaking news of, of Ty Lu there. Um, well, hold uh, on. I think it's oh. important to go back to the Eastern Conference predictions. I was incredibly yeah. right about the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. And they look incredibly good. Not as correct about the Cavaliers being not as bad as people think. That one, I didn't, I, <laughs> that I one didn't seems a little rougher. Yeah, I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> but, yeah, I believe you said what? Like, I, th- I think I said uh, 40, 42 wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not looking five. like 42 is going to happen. Or maybe, I don't know if I was quite that bold, but I thought 35 to 42 was – range so you sir were that bold <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah i mean i mean i mean it's tough right uh i saw it's been just just you know reading some reactions and stuff and and i forget who said it but somebody had a good somebody had a good interesting point that you know a lot of the veterans have been reaching out on social media today for with their thanks for Ty Lue, including lebron and that it might have been Ty Lue's reliance on veterans that got him let go which I think is an interesting uh, catch 22 in that case because um, but yeah I mean I mean I mean Ty Lue Ty Lue did what was once thought to be impossible right which was bring a bring a Cavaliers championship to to uh, to back to Cleveland and I think that 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 commends a lot has a he won 169 games over three years he and yes he might have had a generational player on his team but he all i mean to manage that is is something in and of itself and he and, and he'll def, he'll definitely get another chance and it'll be really interesting to see how he handles a different team that doesn't have that lebron generational player on it but um 
I still I, I still think Ty Lue's an above an above average coach who who deserves another shot at some point. I'm not a Ty Lue guy. I don't think he's a very good coach. With that being said, I don't think he was a very good coach before the season. So six games in to me feels like a panic move and a and a really a desperation move by the Cavaliers. I don't get why they're doing it this early in the season. I don't care if you lost six games. I to me it just reeks of desperation. So. Yeah, I mean, also, if, to me, you're also asking two very different skill sets of coaches. I'm not sure why we always look at coaches as good coaches and bad coaches when, to me, there's very different skill sets involved in different aspects of coaching. So being a coach of a young team and guiding a young team to build them up is very different than being a coach at the highest elite level and making in-game adjustments in the finals. So I'm not sure why we grade coaches on this one scale when, to me, we should be looking at them for their different abilities. To me, Ty Lue was a guy who was very good at managing the circus around LeBron James, and that is an NBA coach skill set. It might be an overlooked one, but managing the circus is a big part of being a coach in the NBA, and I think he did a very good job of that. I just don't believe he was a very X's and O's oriented coach. He wasn't very good at that, and that kind of showed with their lack of defensive progress throughout not only this season, but really throughout his tenure there. Yeah, 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 I would think so too. I mean, I mean, if you would have said at the beginning of the season that Ty Lue would have got fired before uh, Billy Donovan or Tom Thibodeau, I think a lot of people would have been like, you're nuts. But yeah, that's, Scotty Brooks. That's, or sorry, or, or Scotty Brooks, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so that's another one. Right, that, that could also be something that's on the watch is there's already been a little bit of dysfunction in Washington, which – Really is shocking to me after you took a team with poor chemistry and added Dwight Howard and Austin Rivers. I thought that that would have been the solution, but who knows? Yeah, it's it, again the Wizards, man. All the talent is there to have a, a good team, and just like poor coach after poor coach is is really holding that team back. And I wonder how long it takes for a Beal to get very disgruntled and want and just want to get out of the just get out of there I, I'd be willing to take Bradley Beal on as a, as a Toronto Raptor yes. if he wants to <laughs> um, oh. Matt that pretty much does it for me is there anything else that kind of you want to talk about before we get going no I think I, 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 I think we're good I mean I mean it just other quick shockers that we don't necessarily have to touch on but Rockets 1 and 4 is interesting Nuggets 4 and 1 uh, is is also pretty crazy and uh, and uh, yeah 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 the, the Pacer, Pacers right there with the Celtics and I know it's early but um, the jockeying for the, I, I'm actually finding the jockeying for position in the Eastern Conference a little bit more fascinating right now than the Western Conference as well yeah I agree with you it will be It'll be good to see as the season goes on and we start to see teams. Who knows if these Pistons are above, if they really are this 4-1 team that we see thus far, or if they more shake out to a 500. I'm going to take, take the hot take there and say no. They are more <laughs> of a 500 team. I, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. I will talk to you next week, Matt. Uh, thank yep. you for joining me. Yeah, no, thank you.